Happy Sabbath, Sab Said. Uh, I could say a few more, but uh, we'll stop there. <laughs> it's uh, an honor. Thank you, Pastor Jared, for giving me the honor to share. Um, and because today we are connected to a live audience watching from all over the place. I have uh, messages coming in from people staying up late and people getting up early from uh, from Tennessee as far as Tennessee all the way to Jayapura, Indonesia. So, Salamat Hari Minggu Bekerja. So I'm saying happy new working week in uh, Indonesia because there it's about 10 o'clock at night or almost 11 at night. So the, the, the night owls are up watching from there. And happy Sabbath to some that are up at three or four or five in the morning in the States to watch. I invited a few all over the place. Um, and if they're not watching now, maybe they can watch the, uh, the, the video later on. But welcome to our audience all over the place. Today is a special day of prayer here in Middle East North Africa Union. We are asking people to earnestly petition heaven on behalf of planet Earth right now. Because we know the work is still plentiful. The harvest is great. And the workers are few. But we know God is able to do powerful things in this time. Thank you for that. Praise the Lord. It's powerful, isn't it? When God's people get on their knees. Thank you, Pastor Jared, for leading us in that time of prayer. I'm going to stick my Bible here and my phone here. And uh, pull out some notes here. How many of you have ever heard of a man by the name of Joe Colombo? Maybe I said his name wrong. Colombo, Colombe, maybe is his name, Colombe. Um, Joe Colombe, I will tell you about him, but first let's pray one more time. Father in heaven, I pray that you will bless me, not with my words, but the words that you would have me to speak. Speak now, for your servants are listening. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In the mid-1950s, Joe Colombe graduated from a small university similar to this, and he was a business major, so he went to work trying to find a, a job. He put his resume out everywhere, and some company called Roxell's, Rexell's Drug and Dime Store hired him. In a short time, they realized this young man had a lot of energy, and so they, they put Joe to busy on a new competition to a store you've heard of, 7-Eleven. How many have been to a 7-Eleven? Maybe a few of you who have traveled other places other than the Middle East, but 7-Eleven was a small store, a mini-mart, that made famous in many places around the world. But 
the competition that Rexel's Drug and Dime tried to put against them, they named their store the Pronto Mark Markets. Anybody heard of Pronto Markets? No, you haven't. Joe managed to get six of the Pronto Markets going in the Southern California, Los Angeles, California area for Rexel's Corporation. And Rexel's Corporation said, no, it's not big enough. We're in tough times. Sell it. Sell it. But Joe said, I'm not going to sell it. I'll buy it. And he bought it. And he changed the store's name to Trader Joe's. And if you've been in the States, you know where Trader Joe's are. You've heard about Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's are a major food market chain grocery store that is helping people today in the middle of coronavirus, isn't it? But what if Joe had listened to the company boss and said, yeah, I'll sell. We would never know about Trader Joe. He would be the un-Trader Joe, wouldn't he? Turn with me to Scripture, Matthew chapter 25, to another un-Trader Joe. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, tells us about a few Trader Joes, a couple of them, two of them to be exact, a few Trader Joes, and then one un-Trader Joe. Verse 14. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. I copied it down because I like the way it worded it, and so I put it here. So, for it is as if a man, verse 14, going on a journey, summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. Verse 15. And he gave five talents to one and two to another, each one according to his ability, and so he went on his way and... The one who had received five talents went off at once and traded them and made how many more? Boy, you guys are quiet. How many more? Five. The same way the one that had two talents went out and made two talents more. But the one who had received one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Verse 19, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled the accounts with them. Then one of them received, that had received five talents came forward, bringing five more talents. He comes in lugging his luggage full of talents. You can see him coming in, can't you, Aaron? He's pulling his bags behind him, lots and lots and lots of bags, 10 whole bags. He was given five, and now he's got 10. The one who'd received five, Master, you handed over to me five talents, and see, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, well done. Good and faithful servant. Good and faithful slave, it specifically says in this version. Good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things, and I will give you charge over many things. Enter 
into the joy of your master. Verse 24, then the one who had received one talent also came forward saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter. Where you did not scatter seed, it specifically says. So I was afraid, verse 25, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. We could end the sermon there, and it wouldn't be so bad, but then verse 26 goes on, and it says, But his master replied, You wicked, lazy slave. Now what if your mother came to you, Aaron, and said, You wicked son. What would you think? Ay, 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 I'm in trouble, aren't I? You wicked, lazy slave. You knew. Did you that I reap where I did not sow, gather where I did not scatter? I tell you to get those toys from under the bed and put them away. I'm adding to the story, aren't I? Verse 27. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what my own was with interest. Not much interest right now, is there? But back then, there must have been a lot of interest if you put it with the bank. Verse 28, so take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents for to all those who have more will be given and they will have an abundance from those who have nothing even what they have will be taken away as for this worthless slave throw him into outer darkness and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth there's one phrase that summarizes this passage was looking for that phrase, you know, the aha phrase for those of you who write sermons. The, 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 the phrase that catches the essence of it all. And as I read over and over this passage, I kept honing in on verse 25. Verse 25, I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. I was afraid. Then I begin to think of all the times I've heard and even felt afraid during this coronavirus. I was afraid. I am afraid. My 82-year-old mother, if she gets coronavirus and gives it to my brother who's in a wheelchair, oh, Lord, please have mercy. Back in Tennessee, some of you have a hard time imagining, but I have another accent other than the accent that I'm talking in now. Um, I grew up in the hills of Tennessee, and you cannot not have the accident, accident, accent. <laughs> you cannot ha not have the accent in Tennessee. Now, there's two things about Tennesseans. Every one of them in the hollers of Tennessee Every one of them love to sing, whether they can sing on tune or off tune. They love to sing. Second thing is, give them a rocking chair. 
And there's bound to be a story that's mighty good. Let me tell you, you wonder why I can tell stories. It's because I learned in the rocking chairs on the front porches in Tennessee. 1985, I bought myself a mountain bike. It was a nice mountain bike. I saved my money for it for a long time. You know, it was one of these pretty red chromoly, everything was lightweight, everything was the, the latest technology on it. I paid a lot of money. Thank you. I was wondering where my podium went to. I paid a lot of money for this bicycle. And I was out on the back roads trying it out one hot day when all of a sudden I was working up uh, Macedonia Cemetery Creek Road. What a name of a road. I guess they got, he wanted to get, make it longer and longer. Macedonia Cemetery Creek Road. It's a gravel road in those days going up through a shaded part, and, and it had a sharp corner like this. And as I was, after I'd passed the corner, suddenly I was about out of energy, and I looked back over my shoulder, and I see a car 60 feet up. That's 20-something meters up in the air in an oak tree with the tree growing right through the middle of it. And I said, boy, oh boy, somebody's got a story to tell around here. So I stopped at the next house, and some guy came out, and, and uh, I said to him, sir, you mind telling me the story of that tree and that car up in the tree? And he said, I ain't going to tell that story, son. That, son, is a story that you got to hear from D.L. D.L. You mean D.L. Rockwell? Yes, from D.L. Rockwell. That was my neighbor. Just around the corner and through the woods and over the dale, you know. Little ways through the woods. About a mile, a mile and a half as the crow flies. Out in that part, everybody has a story, but if somebody is the originator of the story, you better go to them and find the story. So I sat for a little while, and, you know, the man called out to his wife, Bertha, bring this boy some cold iced tea. He's, he looks like, he looks so hot that he looks like somebody's put him on the barbecue in the middle of August. He needs some iced tea to cool him down. So we told some stories, and I asked for some cold spring water, and I had the cold spring water, and, and we told some more stories. And he said, now don't let D.L., when he tells you that story, forget to tell you about the big rattler snake. You know what a rattler snake is? A rattlesnake, a snake that has some rattles on the end of it. For those of you who don't know anything about a poisonous snake, and in that part of Tennessee, rattlesnakes get to be about this big, from the floor up to my head. About five and a half, six feet long, timber rattlers. So the story goes, I rode the rest of my way on my pretty red bike around the long way, about nine miles total, and I came to a place where I knew D.L. lived. 
And I stopped, and he was there. I said, Uncle D.L., his name stood for Diesel Lloyd. I don't know why you would name your kid Diesel Lloyd. D.L., Uncle D.L., I hear you got a story from Macedonia Creek, Cemetery Creek Road. And he said, I got a story. Sit down, son. Let's have some iced tea. So we sat on the front porch, and I asked for the cold spring water, and every house has cold spring water. I asked for this, and he brought it out, and his wife, he said, now, Goldie, you got to listen to this, too. Make sure I get it right. We sat on the front porch, and D.L. told the story of how when he and Goldie were falling in love, they were a thing in that part of the hills of Tennessee, and and they were, they were out on a date one Sunday afternoon for a drive. They were working up on a hot August day up the gravel road. They call them gravels in those parts, not gravel. Gravels road. I don't know. I guess that makes more sense. Gravel is singular, and gravels is more than. So if you've got more than, then why not? So he was working up the, the road, on the gravels road, and all of a sudden, he noticed that there was a rattlesnake coming down the road about as fast as they were working up the road in his old 1932 Model T Ford. As he was working up the road, his future bride, Goldie, noticed that there was a conveniently placed rusty hole in the floorboard on her side of the car. He said, never mind, it brought her closer because she came sliding over. But as they got to where the snake was under them, the snake struck right at the hole, and his head managed to lodge inside of the hole, and he's put the brake on to try to knock the snake back out, but instead the snake came in, and Goldie went out the window into the poison ivy patch. Anybody knows what poison ivy is? It makes you scratch everywhere in places you don't want to scratch. And so this Goldie was out there walking, as, as D.L. says, you know, every, every story in Tennessee gets even bigger. And so D.L. said she was walking on top of the poison ivy patch, sort of like Jesus walking on water. It was getting good. She was out there walking on top of the poison ivy patch. The snake was there. D.L. said, oh, no problem. I like rattlesnake snake steak. That's what he said. But then he looked down in those beady eyes. He said, them beady eyes was looking right at me. And I knew that I had a choice. I could go out and be with Goldie, or I could stick with the car and risk being bit by the rattlesnake. And that's how the story ended. And I said, D.L., you can't end the story there. How did the car get in the middle of the tree? And he said, well, son, it goes like this. You see, I went out the window, 
to be with Goldie. Because I didn't want to go out the window to be with the Lord. <laughs> I said, I went out the window to be with Goldie. And I forgot to put the car, park, park, uh, the car in the park. He said, my heart was a beating like this because of them beady eyes on the thing. He said, you know, I don't understand that because I love hunting rattlesnake for rattlesnake steak. He said, I even had a rattlesnake stick in the back of my car. I kept for all of these things along with my rifle and everything else. He said, I could have just reached over in the back seat and pinned that rattlesnake down and kept on a driving. But I didn't. And I lost my car, and it went on the hairpin corner. It went straight across into the tree, and there it lasted for the 60-some-odd years until I came by and saw it growing in the middle of the tree. Now, that's an interesting story, but do you know we're all in a car headed on a journey? And there is a stick waiting to pin the head of the rattlesnake down. And the stick is called Jesus Christ on a cross. If the snake can be pinned, the victory will be won. The car will be saved. And we will ride on into glory. What is the stick that you need to put your hand on that will cause the, th the fear that is in your life to vanish? What is the stick that you need to put around Satan's head and cause him to be defeated by? Some capitalize on fear. The richest men in the world right now are buying stocks like crazy, aren't they? Why? Because they know everybody else has been so afraid that they're abandoning everything. They're abandoning the car. They're leaving everything. They're letting it go. But they know that when you're the most afraid is when you need to risk the most. Steve Stroop, the senior pastor of the Lake Point Church in near Dallas, Texas, talking about the parable of the talent, said the one with only one measure, by his own admission, squandered the opportunity because of fear. Pastor Stroop goes on in the paragraph later in, in his book called The Tribal Church. I recommend it, by the way. It's a very powerful book. In God's economy, a church's success is not measured by size, but rather by faithfulness. It's measured by faithfulness, brother. It's measured by sticking to it when everybody else wants to bail out. In other words, if we ever hope to impact big, we must first learn to occupy the present opportunity that God has given us, whether small or large. 
Coronavirus is not something to fear. Yes, of course, we're afraid. I've been interacting with workers and laymen via WhatsApp and Telegram and all the other social medias, and I've discovered there are two camps. There are untrader Joes and there are trader Joes. Ones who are looking at this, this couple of weeks, this three or four months, as if you're in the UK, three or four months of lockdown as an opportunity to prepare for greater opportunity in the future. Or there is the untrader, those, the untrader, those are the trader Joes, the ones that are preparing for the future. The ones that are untrading are the ones that are sitting on YouTube, you know, kind of this YouTube all day long. You look at their eyes after a while. They've watched everything funny there is to watch, so then they watch it again. Don't be an untrader Joe, but be a trader Joe. Make your talent grow into something even better. Use the time. Use the time wisely. I wonder what would have happened if David would have said, I'm just a little boy. I'm just a little boy. Wait for some time to happen, and then when I'm big, I'll go fight Goliath. But instead, David seized the opportunity that day, and he went out and said, Who is this filthy one that talks against God, who are you that you should defy the living God? I wonder if Moses would have said, who are these people, Lord? Take them. What about Sarah, who spent her time like an untrader Joe laughing at God? Ha, I'm too old to have this baby. I wonder what would have happened had Abel not offered a faithful sacrifice. I wonder what would have happened if person after person in the chapter of faith, Hebrews chapter 11, would have said, no, no, God, wait. I'm not ready. It's not a good time. Coronavirus is here. Not only were Adam and Eve afraid in the garden in Genesis chapter 3 when God came looking for them, but in the midst of their sin virus, God risked all and came out looking for them. I wonder if God himself had some fear. Poem that came to my email this week from my father-in-law it's entitled, uh, it was written by Brother Richard in Ireland. I have no idea who he is, but he wrote a good poem. It says, yes, there is fear. Yes, there is isolation. Yes, there is panic buying. Yes, there is sickness. Yes, there is even death. But they say that in Wuhan, after so many years of noise, that you can hear the birds again. They say that after just a few weeks of quiet sky, it is no longer thick with fumes, but blue and gray and clear. They say that in the streets of Assisi, people are singing to one another.
to cheer one another up across the empty squares, keeping their windows open so that those who are alone may hear the sound of family all around them. They say that a hotel in west of Ireland, a young woman I know, is spreading, uh, fly, busy f spreading flyers around with her number to the neighborhood so that the elders may have someone to call on to do their shopping. Today, churches and synagogues, mosques and temples are preparing to welcome and shelter the homeless, the sick and the weary. All over the world, people are slowing down and reflecting. All over the world, people are looking at their neighbors in a new way. All over the world, people are waking up to new reality, to how big we really are, to how little control we really have, to what really matters, to love. So we pray and we remember that yes, there is fear, but there does not have to be hate. Yes, there is isolation, but there does not have to be loneliness. Yes, there is panic buying, but there does not have to be meanness. There, yes, there is sickness, but there does not have to be disease of the soul. Yes, there is even death, but there can always be a rebirth of love. Wake to the choices you make as to how to live now. Today, breathe. Listen behind the factory noises of your panic to the birds that are singing again. The sky is clearing. Spring is coming. And are we always encompassed by love? Open the windows of your soul, and though you may not be able to touch across the empty sky, empty square, sing. I thought that was a beautiful Today, we will stop, will we stop and see the blessing of coronavirus 2020? Today, will we risk stopping to pray for that family member you've given up hope for? Will you start risking again? Today, will you keep your hands on the wheel no matter what and reach into the back stick and and pull out the, the rattlesnake stick and pin the rattlesnake to the wall so that you can go on. The parable of the talents is about who trusted God and who didn't. Victory over sin is when we realize that even when it doesn't make sense, I will keep investing in God. Don't be an untrader, Joe. Be a traitor, Joe, of God's grace. Diamondola. Some of you know about Diamondola, don't you? Famous woman in Turkey, one of our earliest Adventists in the early 1900s, a lady who had the ability to talk in seven languages and more. She was amazingly prepared by God, almost died several times, in fact was resurrected, resurrected to life one time from typhus. She almost died, typhoid fever, and uh, she, in fact she was dead. They, they had pronounced her dead, and someone came into the room and prayed for her, and she got up. Amazing story, but there's an amazing story that I read this week from her book 
Diamondola, not her book, but someone's book about her, Diamondola, God's Little Diamond. She was feeling compassion for the Armenians who were being forced out by the millions on a death march into the Syrian desert. She was feeling compassion, so she called together the brothers and sisters and said, collect things, collect things. And they sewed together belts full of coins, gold coins, that they could go and give some blessing to some Christian. didn't matter the faith. They were giving blessings, and they came along the trail somewhere between somewhere in Turkey and somewhere here. They came across a man who was sobbing, shaking violently as he was sobbing. He had lost his wife and his newborn baby because some soldier in his ignorance of not knowing this saving God had kicked the wife because she was not going along fast enough and she had gone into premature labor, had the baby on the top of one of these snow-covered mountains that we see every day here, beautiful mountains, but terrible, terrible story. The baby came out. The lady was forced to immediately continue walking. You can imagine after having a baby, Early, the baby was left to die on the snowbank. The father was filled full of hatred as his wife had just died also. Thirty-seven weeks present, pregnant, died her and her baby. Elder Frau Schiger, I'm not sure if I'm saving, saying that name right, is a German name, Frau Sch- Higger or something like that. And Diamondola found the man and they found him rocking back and forth in grief. Where is God? Where is God? Where is God? He kept saying, why does he not care for us as children? The man was wasted. His body shook, sobbing. Elder Frau Schiger crawled beside the man and said, my brother, was your wife faithful servant of God? Oh, yes, very faithful. She was an angel, and she loved God very much. Was she ready to die, Elder Frauschiger said? I'm sure she was. In her dying breath, she prayed for the rough soldier who had pushed her into the snow and caused such pain and misery that the baby was born and died, and then she died. And then Brother Frau Schiger said, remember the verse in the Bible that says, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. She suffered unto death. But if she was ready, then she has spared the future possibility of falling into sin through other influences. And I believe God took her life when she was ready, and your innocent son as well. Fear not, my brother. You will meet her again if you remain faithful and forgiving. These soldiers, hardened through sin and ignorance of, of the gospel, listen to this, they feel wearied, uh, feel uh, vilified in carrying out these orders, and they have 
become callous to suffering and death and misery. They do not regard sacredness of life. Listen to this. They take the life and cause suffering because they fear not God. These soldiers are the ones to be pitied. You want to know who we should be afraid of? It's those people who get coronavirus who don't know Jesus. Not my mother who loves Jesus, has loved her Jesus all of her life. Not my brother who's loved Jesus, loved Jesus all of his life. I'm not afraid for them anymore. This story changed my perspective. He said, think of the record they must face in the judgment. Would you care to exchange places with them, my brother? Oh, no, sir, he said. I'd rather be de uh, a deportee ready to face life's record. Friends, fear not. Go unbury the grudge that you've been having and start trading for peace so that the good can start happening in this world so that we can start reaching people who have reason to fear. Don't be afraid yourself. What risky opportunities do you have to go invest into this coming week for the kingdom's sake? Will you be a Trader Joe or will you be an untrader Joe? There are two challenges I want to leave you with just now. If you or your family are taken by coronavirus, are you ready? That's number one. Are you ready? Is your life right with God? And number two, what risk are you willing to take to help get someone else ready? Will you be a trader of talents? Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that you will help us not to fear coronavirus but rather live in the joy of the fear of salvation. Live in the joy of holding the stick that's in our back seat on the neck of that serpent ready to strike us. Live in the joy of knowing that we have pinned, you have pinned that snake to the ground on the cross so that we could have life. Thank you for abandoning it all, giving every risk for our life. Help us to multiply talents for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.